Rabbi, Re Rabbi, Reisman, Rabbi Reisman told a story of davening next to Rav Yashiv mm -hmm. when he was visiting Israel. And Rav Yashiv um, was whispering Shmona Esrei, but it was already older and maybe a little hard of hearing, so his whisper was a little louder than is typical, and Rav Reisman was right next to him. So he said, rather than like, you know, what do you do? You distract you? He said, no, no, I'll say along with him. Couldn't hurt, right? That's right. Rav Yashiv. So he's saying it along. He said he said the word ham. He said it was rather quick. Shmona Esrei, except the word hamachazir. That Hashem returns his shechina tzitzion. The word hamachazir. Apparently, he stretched out very long. Now he doesn't know why. But that by itself, the word hamachazir, then catches the eye. Mm -hmm. You hear that story, and you don't have to know what he meant by it, even. Just to realize, wait, Rav Yashif saw something in that word that it caught, you know, it reminded him of something or he's reminding himself of something, whatever it is. And you, even mm. that will like catch you up in your davening and slow you down for a second right there. And it pulls you back into your davening from your shopping list or your errands or your to-do list or wherever your brain has gone right. while you're davening. These kind of little things, not to mention that it also... Then the word Hamachazir caught my eye in Elokai Neshama, which is also a Mode'ani. So like I said, it's, there's some more going on there. You'll find parallels. you find certain patterns that repeat over. Okay. Last week, um, in terms of Zokev Kifufim, we spoke about an idea. Um, it's an approach to the snake. It's not really a revolutionary approach to the snake in the sense of Rav Moshe Eisman's approach saying that the Nachash is speaking to mankind and saying, well, how do you know what's good and bad? It goes by what feels good and what feels bad, an animal approach. Um, and our bowing down when we say modim is a separation of ourselves from the snakeness, from whatever it is of the snake that we allowed into ourselves in that conversation. Um, that the bowing in modim it takes that aspect that might have gone inside of us, that, that temptation aspect inside of us, and submits it before God. This sounds familiar, right? Okay. <laughs> Just checking. All right. So on the one hand, we have a little bit of a duality here because we have also mentioned that the fact that we stand up straight. So here, that's like the benefit of bending down, and yet the fact that we stand up straight this is supposed to be a reflection of our Tzalem Elohim, right? That our head is pointed upward, looking upward. Rabbi Akiva Tatz, um, he, he doesn't quote this idea in the name of the Leshem, speaking of Rabbi Yashiv, his grandfather, but he at least at some degree attributes it there. Maybe he saw it there afterward. He talks about an idea that animals, if you think about them, are sort of along a, a horizontal axis. Okay, whereas people and, and plants are in a vertical axis. And that's because with plants, it's just reversed from us. With plants, the source of their energy and growth is below, and the fruit is up above. We touched on this a bit one time. I'm trying to remember why. Were we talking about the fruits? Anyway, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the context was. Um, it was around Tubishvat. And the, with people, the source of our energy and sustenance is from above. And you see the fruits down 
through our hands, right? The fruits of that energy is the, the actions and the mitzvos that we produce into the world. That's the fruits. You see that in Elokai Neshama, right? Adam ochel perosehem ba'olam hazeh. You eat the fruits in this world of your deeds. Karen olam haba. But the, 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 the main fund, the, the source of it, is up still in the next world to be benefited from. Um, whereas animals are in a horizontal plane, meaning the energy source is at ground level, is in the physical side, and the results is in the physical side. There's no, it's not reaching from a different plane. It's all within that same plane. So the fact that man stands with an elevated or a vertical posture is a reflection of Tzalem Elohim. It's an indicator of Tzalem Elohim, and it also points us back to Tzalem Elohim. So how do, you, how do you then join together the ideas? Because in a sense, they're pointing in opposite directions. One is saying, bow down, and the other one is saying, stand up. So oh, I think that, that kind of addressing that brings together all the threads of what we've learned. One of them is that image of the chaf. The image of the chaf, chaf as the root of chifufim, kifufim, right, being bent over. That image of the chaf where its straightness is also by virtue of the fact that it is bent at the head, right? Which we've talked about as you can be straight <coughs> below because you submit above. It's interesting. I received yesterday an email, Gesundheit. I got an email yesterday, and it had a transcription of a little piece of a shear from Rav Avigdor Miller. And he was talking about, it, it had to do with, um, I got it through a shidduch list, so it was about what people's expectations about marriage should be in a healthy way, according to Rav Miller. And one of the points he made was that when, that generally speaking, a person's spouse is a disappointment, which is like a kind of overwhelming thought. But it, in other words, people will let you down. People are only people. And maybe we're looking at the wrong things, and maybe we're, whatever. There's a lot of different approaches you could take to that. But it's not, a, let's call it, not an unusual thing for a person to at least occasionally feel that, gee, this wasn't what they thought, let's say. He said that's because what a person thought was not necessarily on target in the first place. What our expectations are in the world is not necessarily always on target of what our real job is to do. And that um, if we think about what we're doing for, let's say we're women, right? For him, who's the him? Is it the spouse or is it Hashem? If our actions are for the sake of Hashem, it, it introduces a third partner into the marriage who's been there all along. And it also changes the way we see things. And it allows us to actually stand straighter and taller. Our behavior gets better. And we also are stronger in and of ourselves because we realize this isn't just about you and me. It's about me and God. And you're a piece of that. You're pe other people are a piece of our service of Hashem. Um, and that, you know, sometimes that means we have to be stronger for ourselves. But sometimes it also makes us stronger for other people. Because it's a different type of approach. I'm not expecting him to provide for me. I'm expecting Hashem to provide for me. And I'm not expect like, what's the reason I'm doing this? Am I doing it? I... I how many times have you talked to somebody who's, you know, well, I keep doing this for him, and I keep cooking for him, and this and this, and he never appreciates me, and I'm sick and tired of doing it, so I do it, but I resent it, and I, okay, so may maybe who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for yourself? Doesn't sound like it. Are you doing it for someone who doesn't appreciate it? Like, that's a dead end. 
That doesn't get you anywhere. So sometimes we have to go back and rethink, like, why am I doing things? Why am I doing things? And that can bring us to a much healthier place and sustainable place of doing them. So let's plant like, um, I hope I didn't plant the troublesome seed. <laughs> because it's a, t it's a topic that deserves a lot, of, a lot of thought, a lot of attention. Also in general, like maybe caveat, anytime, anytime you see or hear Shalom Bias advice, which mostly isn't going to be from me, it's people who specialize in knowing stuff like this, you should always apply for yourself the knowledge that in certain cases that doesn't apply. Because when it comes to Shalom Bias advice, you know, the best Shalom Bias advice doesn't necessarily apply in an abusive environment whether it's emotionally or physically abusive, sometimes that will perpetuate the problem. The best possible shalom advi advice that applies to 90% of people, if there's some kind of abuse going on, then it could perpetuate the problem. So it's something to think about, but let's take this not as advice. If your relationship is mostly about your relationship with Hashem, sometimes it'll make you stronger in other ways. Okay. But if we think, sort of to introduce this direction, that Hashem is zokef kefufim, it's Hashem who straightens us up, we inject a different kind of thought into this, is it bowing or is it standing straight? Meaning, if what makes me straight is Shem Hashem, is God's name, which, as we've seen, is literally true when we bow in the brachos, right? When we say baruch and bend our knees, atah and bend our body, when we say the word Hashem, we're standing straight. When we say modim anach we acknowledge to you, Hashem, sha'atahu, that you are, and then we stand up. Hashem elokeinu velokeinu. So, again, this is an example where the words themselves remind you of the reality. God's name makes us stand straight. We don't bow down when we say Hashem's name. Saying Hashem's name stands us straight. What that reminds us of is that there is godliness inside of me. That's what makes me stand straight. It's not how wonderful I am. It's not how amazing I am. It's not because I'm compared to other people. It's not because I have the, some kind of right. I don't have something coming to me. It's because there's godliness inside of me. By the way, that doesn't put me over anybody else. They also have a Tzalem Elohim. But it is, it is the Tzalem Elohim that stands us up. So yeah, in the sense that our energy is from above and the fruits, it's all the same idea, but it comes expressed out in so many different ways. Which means that my bowing to Hashem is the source of my standing straight. Yeah? If my Tzalem Elohim is the aspect of me that has free will, that puts me in the divine image of God because I have free will, because I choose, because I can elevate, I can choose to be elevated over that which is physical and natural, then my ability to make those choices, to not bend from below in reaction to the below levels of the world, the physical levels, but instead to bend to the supernatural levels, that is what stands me straight. It's all other ways of saying the same thing and seeing how they, 
how something that's true will keep on coming out in other iterations. It'll keep on coming out in other, other forms. It doesn't change. It's just that it's so true on every level. Have you ever seen uh, fractal designs? Mandelbrot sets like a, okay. So this is like a, a it's, um, it's a very simple mathematical formula. And when you plot it, each time you run it, it will get smaller and smaller. And you just keep running the things over and over. And when you plot them, you get these incredibly beautiful designs. But as you zoom in on the designs, you see more of the same design within it. So you see these sort of designs are almost like paisley or stars or bubbles. But as you zoom in around the edges, you see that the edges are actually made of those same designs and smaller. And it goes on in an infinite series because you just keep, can keep on running the... It's mathematical? It's mathematical. Is there okay. one that's called like the... Fibonacci. Fibonacci, right? So Fibonacci, Fibonacci series is is infinite only in the sense that you can keep counting. I mean, in the same way that you can keep counting in any, right? So you're adding two numbers together to get the next one, and then you add the next those two numbers together and get the next one, right? So that's just a function, more or less, of the fact that you can keep counting numbers bigger. This is a concept that where you zoom in, as you zoom in, you keep seeing that the pattern itself is made of the pattern itself. And you zoom in on that, and that pattern is made of the pattern itself. So when you discover something that's true, the more you look into it, the more you will see the truth. Mm -hmm. You see that truth, but it just com keeps coming out and keeps coming out and keeps coming out. Okay. Now here, come, here we come back to this. And let's see now how these ideas then help us understand what at first might have seemed like almost contradictory ideas. Like, so should you stand straight or should you stand bent over, right? The Gemara Bracho says, A person shouldn't walk with an erect, like a tall, erect posture. That's interesting. At least not for very long, essentially, the Gemara says. You can go a short way like that, not a long way. Why? Because if a person's walking and his head's all held up and he's so proud of himself, it's It's like he's pushing away the, the base level of the Shekhinah. The, the lowest levels of the Shina that might be down by him. As the Pasuk says, Malokal Ha'aretz Kavodo, the world is filled with God's glory. So wherever you are, you're in the presence of God's glory, and you're standing all, all high and mighty and proud. It's as if you're saying, well, who's the glorious one here? It's me. If it's me, so that's a kind of pushing away of Hashem. Okay. What about now, the posture? This is talking about posture. This is talking about posture. That it's not necessarily seemly to stand with very straight posture. Or at least not to walk around that way. Okay. Now, if we look back, if we look back, though, at what we've been talking about, we can understand that it has to do with a person's sense of kavod. Where is it coming from? Is it the kavod ha'adam? Is it that the person thinks he has honor inherent and due to him? Or is it that he thinks he is a carrier of God's honor? What is it that makes you stand straight? Hashem zokev kefufim. That's the pasuk. God straightens up those who are bent over. It, right? It's, this, is, this is why we get these almost contradictory messages. They come united by the pasuk, Hashem zokev kefufim. It is Hashem who straightens the bent. Again, kind of hearkening back to our discussion on Mater Asurim, Hashem straightens the bent. In other words, we're bent. We are bent over. We are weak. We can't stand up to it. But Hashem zokev kefufim. 
but the godliness that Selim Elohim, the ability to choose right and wrong, the ability to cling to that which is Hashem as best as we can and to his will and not to have to give in to that which is physical. We don't have to feel forced and, and assume that we have no choice because we can't resist. Right? That, that is what raises us and makes us stand straight. So when a person is standing straight because their feeling is, no, I would be bent if not for the fact that God straightens me up, that's not pushing away the shechina. That's embracing the shechina. This is like a, a key element, and, and I know that at this stage, that doesn't necessarily help, meaning if you're a person who has trouble, if you're at the level of struggling with the idea that you have a Salam Elohim, you, if I'm at the level of, right, like, where do I see the Tzalem Elohim in me? How does that come out? How do I, how do I hold that and not feel like a Balgavit, right? So especially as Americans, that can be difficult, you know? You sort of see, like, there's some people who seem to have no doubt. Yeah, sure, I'm a valuable person. And it's like, okay, right? So where does the humility come from? And some of us are, like, so naturally humble that, like, where does there come any sense of self-respect? And yet, in order to be straight and tall and strong, we need the self-respect, but it's not self-respect. It's actually respect of God. And so, have I given you any tools for that? No. But Rabbi Goldberg, Shira, and are all online. And he did. Okay. It says, here's a quote from Rav Hirsch. This is talking about tzitzis, which are closely tied with this idea, um, just in the sense that tzitzis are a means for helping you look up. Okay, we're not going to go into the topic of tzitzis, and women have the same effect, only not by way of tzitzis, okay? But the idea that the tzitzis, the color of the tzitzis, right, and the strings of the tzitzis is to remind you that there are higher levels all the way up to the Kisei Kavla, to remember God's will. So this idea that it lets you look up. So he talks about this concept, the tzitzis helping you raise yourself above the world envisaged by the senses and to dedicate your natural senses to the service of him who is beyond conception and invisible. I mean, how do we relate to Hashem? Can we relate to Hashem directly? Not of an Avi who tried to relate to Hashem directly. Didn't go so well. Because so long as we are in bodies where the access to what is inside of us is by means of our senses, how does information get into our minds? How does information touch our souls? It has to come through our senses. So as long as that's true then, we are not capable of experiencing God directly in a spiritual way. Therefore, we look at that which is physical. This is what brachos is, right? We look at that which is physical, that which we can experience with our senses, and we dedicate it to the service of him who is beyond conception and invisible, who set you into the visible world as a reminder of himself through your fulfillment of his word. Typical Rav Hirsch. In one sentence, here's Salam Elohim. Here's Talmud Kim. Right? God has set you into the visible world as a reminder of himself through your fulfillment of his word. When you do a mitzvah, what are you doing? You're doing God's will. Okay. Do you know what that means? That means when you do a mitzvah, when you do God's will, you bring God's will into the world. Someone, including you, who sees the mitzvah, is seeing an expression of God's presence and will in the physical, tangible world. This is powerful stuff. <laughs> it's 
powerful, powerful stuff. This is what it means to tell a Elohim. We channel God's will to the world. We literally, every single one of us. What I just said, this is not beyond any of us. We wash, we say brachos, we keep Shabbos. We choose a kosher food and not a non-kosher food in the store. We are literally channeling godliness into the world through our choices and our actions. We are reminders of God in the world. That is our role as people. So when you do that, though, you have to have the um, mental intention that that's what you're doing, not just um, habitual, is what I'm trying to say. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it at all? Right. Exactly. Well, why are you doing it? I'm saying even if you didn't think to yourself, in order to unify God's great name in this world, right? Even if you don't think Kabbalistic uh, prefaces to your mitzvos. Let's say your mind is not really entirely there and you say a bracha before you eat. Why do you say the bracha? Because God wants you to say a blessing before you eat. That's why you said it. Yeah, maybe you're habituated to it. Why are you habituated to it? Originally, because you're the aware reason of it, you said that bracha is because it's God's will. You made a bracha. You brought that into the world. Did you bring it in in the most perfect possible way? That somebody looking at you, what? How much of that will they see? They see some of it. They see some of it for sure. Okay. Now, if they saw you saying a bracha, we're using somebody seeing you. It's not that you have to live your life according to what other people see. Right. But let's use this external observer for a moment, right? If they see you making a bracha where you actually are thinking about God as the source of what of what you're about to eat. And what it means to, to eat, which we talked about a little bit at the end of last week, and, and what it means to be nourished, and that it isn't the food itself that nourishes us, it's God who nourishes us by means of the food. And then you think, wow, so Hashem also takes care of other people, and when I'm, when I'm blessed, it's through me that he takes care of them. You know, here's this little child who needs, who needs food, and he sends it through me. Right? I mean, when, when you're in tune with that, then what's going to come out in your bracha is something much more, much more nuclear-powered. Yes. But if you, make, if you do a mitzvah, when you go in the store and you pull the, I don't know, polenta off the shelf and it doesn't have a hechsher and you pick up the next box, you are literally, literally bringing reminders and presence of God's will into the world. There's no way to, to underestimate that. Or overestimate that maybe is better. There's no, there's, nobody can take that away from what we do. So first of all, it allows us to have a different kind of kavana in our actions. It also finds the balance. It is that balance between the strength of what I'm doing, the ability to stand straight in what I'm doing, and the humility of saying it isn't really me. Because what I'm bringing into the world is not my greatness, it's God's greatness. Yeah? This is, this is Hashem's will. And he has many, many messengers. He has many, many messengers. Okay, so you didn't give the tzedakah? Hashem wants that person to have money, he'll send it to him. He'll give him a lottery ticket. He'll send him somebody else to give him tzedakah. He'll find it on the floor, right? Who do you think you are? You think only through you that person's gonna be helped? No, only through you are you gonna be helped. It's only through you that you could become the messenger of God's will. That's the issue. You say Hashem, when we say Baruch, right? Baruch ato Hashem, Hashem be blessed through me, please. You remember that conversation about Baruch? 
go back. If you didn't hear it, I highly recommend if you can track down because not all the shiram are so well labeled. They're all, I mean, they're all labeled like Baruch, but which Baruch session it was, I don't know. Okay, or get a hold of this, the Hirsh Haggadah, page 50 to 51. Go see what he says about Baruch. God, may you be blessed through me. That is our deepest, deepest request. Because there's nothing we achieve on our own anyway. So what's my life for? The ultimate elevation of my life is if it is a channel for God's will into the world, for blessing. Think about how we feel. You know, when you're in trouble and somebody helps you, when you're really in trouble, maybe it's emotional trouble, maybe it's physical trouble, and somebody comes and gives you relief, whether it's, you know, the doctor with the epidural because you're having a baby, mm. or whether it's, you know, you get prescribed something and you're in pain and it relieves the pain, or you literally don't know where to turn and you feel trapped and you talk to an advisor or a mentor and they give you that sentence that just is what opens, you know, it's like the key that unlocks the door and you start to see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you think about what that feels and then think, oh, is it not a privilege or a blessing to be that for other people? When other people are that for you, you recognize it's Hashem helping you and you're grateful to the person, but they are God's messenger to you. Isn't that what we want to bring into the world? We want to bring his light into the world. That's what he wants us for, too. But it's in every little tiny action that we do. Every time we open the sitter, and maybe we're totally with it, and maybe we're totally not, but you know what? I keep coming back and opening that sitter. What does that show? It does show something. It does show something. Well, I'm showing up. I want to be connected. Okay. We are not competing with God for kavod. We are a vehicle for Hashem's kavod. When I stretch my limbs and my joints, zokev kefufim, say, Hashem, thank you for straightening the bent. The fact that, you know, wake up and... Then I recognize also that it is me choosing to move them, and yet it is Hashem allowing me to move them. In the physical experience of, ah, I got a crick in my back, whatever, right? In that physical experience of being able to stretch and move and shift to get more comfortable, we can have a mini epiphany of, I choose, but it's Hashem who acts. And that brings it into the world. Okay, now when we look at all of this and we realize that the enslavement as we've discussed, right, the enslavement to the burden is the physical level, and the feeling of enslavement, the feeling of being trapped is being enslaved at the level of nefesh, of the emotions, of the life force. And we realize that, that freedom's on the other side of that, of that horizontal line, right? Freedom lies in the ability to choose. So, for example, Rufus gives the example, I think I must have mentioned this. He says a person... Can, can handle a very extreme burden of effort if they feel that they chose it. A person could be working as hard as the slave, but there's a big difference between building your own house and having to build someone else's house. The amount of physical work might be the same. You might even have more work. But there's a feeling that you got to choose, that it was under your control. So a slave who might have a cushy job, but they're a slave still feels enslaved at that level. 
So the freedom from the feeling of slavery is at the level that is in the first level of the supernatural, which is our level two, which is the mind, feeling that we have free will, that even if I'm enslaved, I'm not an enslaved person. Inside my mind, I'm still free. That was the message of Yosef. Now let's take the message of Yosef and look in the other direction. With Yosef, we were looking sort of from the bottom up, right? There's a place to flee to up there. If you look down from the top down, you realize no one is more enslaved than someone who's enslaved by their body, by their taivas. So I will give you a recent, I was going to say personal example, but thank God it's not personal, personal example, personally witnessed example. On Erev Pesach, my mom was in the hospital. So Seder night, I'm sitting there in the emergency room, and um, there was a young lady in her 20s um, screaming. You know, people say screaming bloody murder? Screaming bloody murder. Screaming, swearing, shouting. You know, they called in not just like a security person. There were like 10 security people standing around. And it was wise, meaning the goal was to make her feel so completely intimidated that she would give in, give up and just settle down. What was her problem? How do I know her problem, by the way? You know, there's this medical, they're like HIPAA rules, right? But she was screaming them out at the top of her lungs. We all knew her problem. Her problem was she was a heroin addict. And her parents had gotten a hold of her. And so she was in withdrawal, because she was in their house. and. She was very colorful about explaining that nobody understands how that feels to be in withdrawal from heroin and how badly she needs to smoke and they won't let her smoke. You smoke in an emergency room, you will blow up the building, but never mind. There's a lot of oxygen in there, right? It's not, this, was, this was tragic. It was horrible. It was horrible. And you hear that and you see that and you're like, it's true. No one is more enslaved than someone who's enslaved to their taiva. And it starts with feeling that you have free choice. And it gets to be, and we all know it on the small level, hopefully not to do with heroin, but we all know it on some level, right? And, and sometimes it's even a sadness. It's like, I can't believe it, but I really, I really will struggle if my house is a certain way. I really will have trouble managing if my car is a certain way. I really will have trouble managing if I don't get my coffee if I don't get my and you know people joke about that but like what it what about when it actually is so right uh, you must know if not yourself then other people who work for two weeks in advance of Yom Kippur and Tisha B'Av to plan out their caffeine schedule so that they can live through Yom Kippur or Tisha B'Av right so who's enslaved meaning it's not a happy feeling it's not, a, it's not a happy realization to realize that your actions have gotten you into that either. Which is why the Mishnah tells us, No one is truly free except for the person who's learning Torah. It, it's the opposite, right? That's based on, right? The Mishnah says that it's engraved. The Torah is engraved on the luchos. And Chazal say, don't read it engraved. Read it freedom. Freedom on the luchos. Those commandments that are etched in stone, that you committed to contractually and said, yes, that's what my life's about, that's your freedom. Because no one is more enslaved than one who is enslaved to taiva. 
And when you feel, no, I can choose to do what's right, we can feel that happen inside of us, the freedom that comes of Torah, the freedom that comes from mitzvos, from attaching ourselves to God's will and feeling, you know, I'm locked into that choice, like you were saying from Asilas Yasharim, right? I am, I, it's engraved. I can't get away from it. It's permanently there. That's the ultimate freedom every time I choose back into that. And I'm free. I free myself like a Yosef from the Taiva, from the Yetzirah. Okay. I want to just remind us, when we read that Yalkut, that Medrash describing the conversation, the sort of pitch intensity of the conversation between Yosef and Mrs. Potiphar, right? And she says, um, I'll give you better work to do. And if not, and he refused to look at her, she said, fine, I'll afflict you. I'll, I'll afflict you with words. I'll, um, like, enslave you. I'll, I'll burden you. And he says, Hashem does mishpat. I'll oppress you. Hashem says, he says, Hashem does mishpat la'ashukim. Hashem does justice for those who are oppressed. She said, I will cut off all your food. You'll starve. And he said, no same lechem levereivim. Hashem gives bread to the hungry. This is the verses that our that our bracha is based on. She said, "I will tie you up, will chain you in the dungeon." He said, "Hashem matir asurim. Hashem frees the imprisoned. I will blind your eyes." And he said, "Hashem opens the eyes of the blind." Hashem pokeach ivrim. She said, "Kofefes anies komascha. I will kofef." I will bend down your stature. And he said, Hashem zokev kefufim. You can't bend me. God straightens the bent. Until where did it get to? Until she put a skewer of iron under his throat in order to force him to look up at her. And he wouldn't look. So this is the the aspect of Yosef that we didn't touch before, which was his choice is how he fled, meaning he, he knew he might not get away with it in the sense that she really could do those things, but he also knew that this was between him and God. This wasn't about him and Mrs. Potiphar. And he also attributes it to Hashem. Hashem gives sight to the blind. Hashem straightens up the bent, Hashem, right? This is recognizing, you know what? No one has power over me other than Hashem is the other side of the same coin that no one can enslave me as long as I can choose in my mind. Mm -hmm. So what appear to be contradictory ideas, well, is it me who gets to choose and make myself free or is it everything is from God? are actually two sides of the same coin. And they are reconciled in this idea, Hashem Zokev Kefufim. And that idea of when we ask for bracha, it's not that we're asking him to give to us. It's that we're asking him to give us what we need to be able to give to him. That it is Hashem who acts through us. And so we're asking, it's he who does it, and it's us who are grateful to be the messengers and the vehicles of that. And this unifies these, it, that is the coin that these are the two sides of. 
the root of human dignity is the image of God within the man. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to actually feel that we have that iron bar at our neck. Sometimes we have to feel that we have pressed up against the limits of the natural possibilities before we look up beyond the natural. That's painful, but it's very good for us. It's very, very, it's a blessing. It's, it's always good if we can remind ourselves of this before it's too awful. Sometimes there has to be a lot of pain before we remember where we want to turn our eyes. Okay. There's an amazing quote again from Rav Hirsch on the Pasuk from Ashrei. Someh Hashem lechol hanoflim vezokef lechol hakfufim. This is a parallel verse to the one that's this. This is not the source of our bracha. It's a parallel. There are two prakim, one after the other. Hashem supports all who fall and straightens those who are bowed down or bent down. If a man who is about to fall remains erect instead, it is the Lord who has upheld him. And if a man who is bowed down can stand tall and straight once more, it is the Lord who has raised him up. Therefore, man, aware of his own weakness, should seek out the power of the Almighty rather than fear it. For it is in behalf of the weak that the Lord wields his strength and in the cause of the powerless that he displays his might. Don't be afraid to admit your weakness to Hashem. In the same way we've talked about, in the place of the pain, that is where he is closest to us. In the spot where we feel the greatest lack, that is where we build the bridge to him. Right? In admitting our weakness, we open the door for Hashem to reach out and help us. We open the door for us to reach out and grab his hand. There's more like it. Okay. I want to take a look at that because I promised we'd come back around to it. Can you clarify the parallel idea that you said? You said it was parallel to the Paso from... Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you afterward. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you afterward. Okay. So. What we wanted to do was just come and tie up, I think, the, the last loose string, which was to put another layer into that sense of, but nonetheless, right, that, that elephant in the room, but we were bent down or but we were in prison. Hashem frees the imprisoned, but we were, he put us in prison. He took us out of Mitzrayim, but he put us into Mitzrayim. Okay, so just to kind of add another layer to that discussion, Rav Hirsch talks about in the Haggadah that at the level of freedom from the feeling of being trapped or enslaved, the emotional enslavery, that that freedom was permanent. When Hashem freed us from the physical slavery, we could be physically enslaved some other time. But to the degree that Hashem saved us from the emotional feeling of being slaves, that there's no way out, that freedom was eternal. Why? Because no matter how bad the situation has become since then, and we've been through some pretty awful times, we always can remember that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. 
we can remember Hashem did save us before. Therefore, he can do it again. Therefore, it isn't actually hopeless. We are never truly hopeless for thousands of years because we can remember. So there is, this is a pattern which I don't think we're going to describe in this series of Shiorim, but is valuable to understand, which is zikaron, memory. Being the ability to take what has happened in the past and remember it brings it into the present. That is that pattern of Hashem took me out before he could take me out now. It's a pattern like the moon. What does the moon do? It brings the light of the sun into a time of night where the sun's rays on their own don't reach. It's taking the past and bringing it into the present. When we say Hashem zokev kefufim, we are also reminding ourselves. We are bringing into this moment now, Hashem straightens the bent. We were bent when, before we were born, and Hashem straightens us. If we are feeling bent now, Hashem can straighten us. It is the, the importance of reaching back. Now, un, now, stop and think a minute. If I can reach back into the past and recall Hashem's kindness and bring it into the present, there is a new value to me of the darkness I was in now, which is in giving me the moment where I need to reach back to the past and bring the memory of the chesed into the present. It allows me to become a partner in the creation of that light. Or maybe not in the creation of the light, but in the delivery of the light. When I'm in, if I were not in pain, then would I be looking to see how Hashem is helping me? Maybe not. But if I am in pain, and I say, Hashem, where are you? And I think, you know, he did so much for me up until now. Surely he has not abandoned me. It must only feel that way. Now there's an element of my choice and my thinking and my directing of my thoughts and feelings towards Hashem. It's not only Hashem doing for me. Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. He took us out of Mitzrayim. There wasn't a lot we had to do about it. By the time we got to Har Sinai, we said Naseh Ishma. We don't know what those mitzvahs are. That's, oh, that's good. We can choose them anyway from, from a place of not knowing, right? There's, there's a power to the relationship that comes of our ability to choose into it. Hashem zokev kefufim. It is knowledge of God. It is the name of God which straightens us up when we're bent. But the fact that we're bent, that is the opportunity for us to remember that. And that is not meaningless. That's... <laughs> That is the ultimate bringing of light into the world, both through our connecting to Hashem, that is using the Tzalem Elohim to be a Tzalem Elohim, a shadow, an image, a reminder of God into the world. And on our own personal level, it allows us to pull the light of our relationship with God through our own small efforts, which are mostly in our mind. Because the physical is really God's control. So in our own mind and our own choice to choose to reach up toward God, like a Yosef, right? And do that, which makes our relationship different. We are changed. That echoes back to Purim, right? Freedom of the night, freedom of the day. We are changed. We are different. This is Hashem Zokev Kefufim, Hashem Somech Noflim. He supports those who have fallen. And 
just to give you a tiny proof of that, and then we'll, we will end this topic here. In that paragraph, which we call Ashrei, and it doesn't actually begin with the word Ashrei in Tehillim, so it goes in Aleph Bey's order, which you surely noticed even if your sitter didn't point it out to you, right? The Psukim go in order. There's one that's missing. The one that's missing is the Nun. You go from Machuscha, Machus Kol Olamim, which starts with a mem, and you go from there to Somech Hashem Lechol Hanoflim. Hashem supports those who fall down, Vizokev Lechol Akfufim, and supports those who are bent over. You skip the nun. And Rashi says, as you may have heard, Rashi says, why skip the nun? Because it's not nice to hint to the falling down when you're praising God. Therefore, we go straight to Samech, Hashem supports. Now, what's the proof of it? How does Rashi know that? Because you see that the nun word that's used over here is falling. That's why. It's not just like, well, because nun stands for a lot of things, not only falling, right? But that because David Amelech uses the word falling here, you understand that that's what he's not referring to. So Hashem supports those who fall. But you know where Rashi says that? On the Pasuk, he doesn't say it over here. He says it earlier. On the Pasuk, the memory of the greatness of your goodness, they will express. That's the hint of Somech Hashem Lechol Hanoflim. We don't want to talk about the falling, not because we're trying to ignore what we don't like to think about, but because the point is not the falling. The point is the Somech Hashem Lechol Hanoflim. The point of the falling is that Hashem supports us. The point of the being bent is that Hashem straightens us. And that is something we need to learn on the Pasuk, that we express the memory of Hashem's goodness to us. That we talk about it. Here's how Hashem was good to me. Here's what he did for me. Here's how he saved me. Here's how he helped me. I thought I wasn't going to make it in time. I made it. That's Hashem helping me. All those lights were green. Sometimes it's a little more profound than that. Right? The memory of it, it's how important it is for us to say over and over again, thank you and to notice the chesed he does for us, because that is the power, the memory of that, bringing those out, discussing it, talking about it. We will utter it. That is what carries us from Mem straight over to Samech, to support. The point isn't the falling. The point is what you do when you fell. That's the point. Somech Hashem l'chol. That's the point. Okay, so we're going to stop here. Next week we move on to a new bracha. Thank you so much. It's been a fun trip.